When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dive in on God. I watch the tape from Cleveland.com, Doug Maurice, Scott Patsco, and Lance Reisland, and we are doing something new we have never done before. And we'll break it down to Sean Watson as a Cleveland Browns quarterback. Lance is here to talk about Sean Watson from a film perspective. Lance, you have already written about Deshaun Watson at cleveland.com slash Browns. Before we dive into the topics that Scott is going to lead us through, just like what was it like breaking Deshaun Watson down as a football player with your coaching background, trying to just watch this guy and thinking about him now playing for the Browns? Uh, well, when I watched the, uh, I watched all of 220 and uh, watched the games, uh, individual cutups, some highlights, uh, but I really like to watch the entire game and a, Three things stood out to me. Um, first, his ability to be a dual threat quarterback. And though he doesn't have the runs like uh, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, uh, he he's a dual threat guy. And he can pick up those key third downs with his feet. He can keep plays alive uh, in the pocket. He can make pretty much all the throws from inside or outside the pocket. Um, what I really liked was his ability, especially as the year went along, to recognize the defense, what people were giving him. Uh, and then being able to use his arm talent and accuracy to kind of like take what he digested and make it happen with his arm uh, and his accuracy. And then finally, what I think makes him very, very unique is his ability to improvise. Um, mm. He has the incredible ability to keep plays alive uh, with his feet, uh, which early in his career kind of got him in trouble with some sacks, um, but has really uh, that really separates him. He can take a play that we, you know, I, I, on the film review, I watched a, a number of the levels concept, uh, concepts that the Browns love to, uh, love to run off play action. And there's a number of times where he completes it just as the Browns would. Uh, but there's other times where the play breaks down uh, seemingly dead and he's able to uh, uh, make something out of nothing, which is super impressive. So, yeah, I, uh, uh, as a football player, he's pretty talented. So listen, you guys know the deal here. As we talk about this, Sean Watson faces more than 20 civil suits from different women alleging sexual misconduct. I almost feel like we're going to, we don't have to mention that as a, as a disclaimer on every podcast, but we are going to talk about Deshaun Watson as a football player because he's here as a football player. We, of course, are not losing sight of that. That still is very important, but this is sort of a film and numbers breakdown of Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. So Lance, you were just sort of talking about some of those under pressure improvisational moments. Scott, that's where you sort of want to start us, right? Deshaun Watson under pressure. What are the numbers tell us about what he did with the Houston Texans? Yeah, so, so last week I wrote a post even before he, uh, he had been signed or, you know, traded for um, on Cleveland.com. I kind of compared him to Baker Mayfield and included a bunch of, you know, the efficiency based, Data, DVOA, EPA, PF, all the alphabet soup stuff I usually write and talk about. Um, and while Baker had some seasons where he and Watson like were comparable in a lot of stats, I think those who read that post probably came away realizing that Watson has been the more consistent player. 
Uh, I mean, his three Pro Bowls alone should should tell you that. So when we're doing this, I think instead of and I'm going to compare him some of the stuff to to Baker for like a point of reference because that's the quarterback most of the people listening to this has seen the most over the last few years. Um, but I want to kind of focus on three areas where fans are probably going to notice an improvement in quarterback play next season, whenever it is that, you know, Deshaun Watson actually gets on the field. So the first of that is performance under pressure. And by pressure, I mean, pass rush, not mental pressure. You'd be surprised how many emails I get sometimes when I, when I make a comment about a quarterback performing under pressure and, really? uh, and there's an argument that, what are you talking about? He doesn't feel pressure. <laughs> well, no, that's not the thing. So I'm talking about quarterback <laughs> pressure here. I know it's it's like, you know, it's like the warning on a hairdryer. Don't use this in the shower. But it's yeah, not the, uh, yeah, it's not the, it's not the song. It's not no. the feeling. It's no. the edge rushers. It's blitzing yes. linebackers. It's defensive tackles beating their offensive line. That. Yes. It's, it's Miles Garrett coming at you. Right. Should we call it something? Should it be called defensive players being near you? Would that be more clear? <laughs> it's not as snappy as pressure. Not mental, not emotional pressure. Mm-hmm. Physical right. chance of harm to your body by this large person throwing you to the ground pressure. Correct. Now, we will get to mental pressure in fourth quarter oh, performance, great. which well, I think I would call to We just talked later. about how we're not talking about But that's about not what we're talking pressure. about here. We're just delaying the mental pressure conversation. Great. Now everyone's right. confused. Okay. That's right. Under pressure from quarterbacks. That's what we're doing here first. But uh, in 2020, uh, Watson ranked third in PFF offensive grade under pressure. He was, he was only behind Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he threw 10 touchdowns, which was tied for fourth, against only four interceptions under pressure. And I, I've mentioned this one step before. It's called big time throws. It's a PFF creation tracks passes that have, they, they define it as excellent location and timing, usually farther downfield and into tighter windows. He ranked third with 17, but his big time throw rate per pass attempt, just his rate of doing that alone was 11.1%. And that was best in the league. So when he's under pressure, he comes through. Remember this was 2020. The other Texans were a mess. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins. They fired their coach after an 0-4 start. They ranked 31st in rushing yards per game. They had a bunch of injuries. They were four and 12. They came to Cleveland, lost to the Browns in that crappy weather game. Uh, And yet Watson had one of his best years. So you've heard quarterbacks defined as a truck or a trailer. Like we can all agree that Deshaun Watson is a truck in 2020 really kind of plays into that. And then everything, everything fell off the trailer. Correct. He didn't know about it, but it was one of those, you know how you're driving somebody down the highway and, like there's yeah. a rocking chair falling off their truck and it's like the tarp fell off. It's like, why didn't you tie it on more stuff fell off his trailer, but he did a good job driving. He was at the wheel, right? It's not his. Yeah. Fault. Well, they had like 10 games uh, that were decided by one score or less. And it wasn't because Sean Watson wasn't coming through or he wasn't making the plays to win those games. It was, he was helping put them in position that kind of plays into this. And then what we'll talk about a little bit later with fourth quarter performance um, but he's been among the league leaders with at least 10 big time throws under pressure in each of the last three seasons. So again, it's a pattern of, of, of good play uh, over, uh, over his last three seasons. So he's also had a top 10 rushing grade when under pressure in each of his last two seasons. And that's important to note because I think, as we all know by now, Watson will give the Browns some mobility at quarterback. 
that they haven't had with Mayfield. And then Lance is going to get into this uh, as well. But with that mobility, there's a lot of self-inflicted pressure. Like mobile quarterbacks tend to be among the league leaders in creating their own pressure. You know, they're guys who are stringing out plays and trying to make something happen because they know they can do that, as opposed to someone who can't move, who's checking down quickly. Let's get rid of the ball before that pressure gets to me. Um, Watson ranked second in the league in own pressures in 2020. Patrick McCombs was first, Russell Wilson third, Lamar Jackson fourth, Josh Allen fifth. So you get the picture, all, you know, all pretty mobile guys. Watson was also second in 2019. Jacoby Brissett, by the way, was first that year mm. uh, in creating his own pressure. Uh, and in 2018, Watson was again second to Mahomes. Um, now, when it comes to avoiding sacks on those pressures, like pressure is one thing. As we know, as I've said, he performs well under pressure. But you really want to avoid having those pressures turn into sacks. He hasn't been as good as, say, Patrick Mahomes, who's ranked near the bottom of the league when it comes to pressures turning into sacks the last three seasons. That only happens about 11% of the time to Patrick Mahomes in his career. Watson has been ranked higher. He's like 10th, 16th, 13th in that range. About 20% of those pressures turn into sacks every year. So it's something you can get better at, but he's, he's going to be better than what the Browns have had in that area for sure. And he's joining a team with one of the best offensive lines in the league. Like the Texans were pretty good. Uh, last couple seasons that Watson played, they were, they earned a PFF pass blocking grade in the top 10 in each of his last three seasons, but the Browns ranked first in 2020 mm. when everybody was healthy. They were really good last year. I think they were still top 10 despite all the, all the injuries. So that could help reduce Watson's pressures. It opened the door for even more of those big time throws, you know, with, with or without pressure. So I do think Browns fans, you're going to have to live with some of the sacks, but it's about the trade-off, right? Because again, don't throw picks, take a sack every now and then. I know sacks can kill drives, but if there's a payoff on the end and there has been a payoff, Lance Scott's talking about the numbers showing that Deshaun Watson is successful when there's pressure after him from a defense. Why? Is it just his mobility and ability? The, the, the idea that he can get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs or what's he like maybe keeping an eye, his eyes downfield and finding throws to make when somebody's after him. I think it's a, a little bit of all of that. I mean, for sure his feet allow him to extend plays. And like Scott said, that'll, uh, that'll, that'll amp up your sack totals. Uh, but all those things are, I think, all the concepts I was talking about when his film review, I think they all tie into his ability to make those throws under pressure. Not only can he run and get key third down runs, but he can also move in the pocket. Um, those subtle movements in the pocket. I always call them Dan Marino movements where it's, it's not, not running the ball, but it's getting out of the way. Uh, it's getting mm. out of the way and get your feet back where they need to be. Um, he's very, very good. And then when he's outside the pocket or even in the pocket with movement, uh, he's able to recognize and analyze and digest what's in front of him. And uh, he knows where his guys are supposed to be. Uh, and going back to the Browns, I really like the number Scott throw it about, uh, said about the Browns and pass efficiency. It's passing the ball is a lot easier when you're running the ball. And that's what I think the Browns will give Sean Watson in terms of uh, it's not going to be – the NFL is always pass first, but – you have to stop the run when you play the Browns and that's going to give you different looks. That's going to give you more people inside the box. That's going to give you uh, more pressures. Um, and then obviously if you're getting more people inside the box and you're getting pressures, uh, that's going to leave some more one-on-one -on -one coverages um, at the back end. So uh, going back to, you know, why he's good under pressure, I think it's a little bit of everything. He can move his feet. 
Um, I think he has a flair for the moment, that it factor, obviously. Um, I think he, but I think he can uh, analyze. I think he can recognize. And then he has the arm talent, the accuracy to make all those throws in, inside the pocket, outside the pocket, uh, kind of improvising, uh, having guys move with him during a scramble drill. Um, all those things tie into it for sure with him. When you watch him on film, there's a lot of plays that are on, you know, on schedule per se, you know, off a drop. Um, but his big plays and even our pressure, his big plays come when he's moving his feet. And remember, a lot of those big plays, when you can extend a play as a quarterback, um, that usually means they're pressure. If they're bringing pressure, uh, that usually means there's man coverage in the back end, which allows for big plays. I'm interested to see, like, how much play action helps with this, too, because obviously the Browns use that quite a bit. And like Deshaun Watson, I believe it was his rookie year. I wrote about this last week. I'm trying to remember the specifics. Um, pretty much his first year, he was at at or near the top of the league in play action rate dropbacks. But then since then, it really, he's been pretty low. He's, he's been lower than the Browns for sure. Um, but the thing with, with him in play action is a lot of quarterbacks, you see a bump in completion percentage, like Baker 2019, like he was 10% better in completion percentage when he threw in play action. So Kevin Stefanski got here, but he's like, well, it's going to get even better. He obviously excels in play action. Well, Watson hasn't necessarily been like that. Um, his change in completion percentage in and out of play action is pretty much non-existent over his last few years. So that, I mean, that could help alleviate pressure. I'm just, I'm really curious to see, like, does that make him a better quarterback? Like it makes, like it makes so many other guys a better quarterback when they use play action. Well, I think those top guys, he can, he can, he can adjust to what he's seeing. And, you know, I was, I've been asked before, what makes play action so good for a quarterback? Well, those front seven guys, um, and the NFL is so good at disguising the run as compared to what it was uh, years back. So it looks like a run. So you have those front seven guys. And even in the back end, those guys are all playing run. So their initial reads, their initial thoughts are run. And we have to stop the run. Then they have to change that thought process. And that takes that takes time. And by the time you're doing that, people are running by you. People are wide open. So um, but with him, that's why I think it improves in terms of most quarterback percentage wise. But with him, that's why I think he's a true dual threat. He can stand in the pocket and make those throws. And that's why, you know, some guys are better on the run. Some guys are better in the pocket, but he can he can do both. I don't know if we've just all been Mahomes as a football culture because he makes such spectacular plays once things break down and it feels like he's throwing the ball behind his back and between his legs. And I know that's not how all football operates and that's not necessarily what it's about, but how much has the NFL evolved to the point where you're going to wind up with a decent amount of big plays per game are going to be broken plays, are going to be scrambled drills, are going to be off platform, are going to be guys out of the pocket. And I had reached the point, I don't, we're not going to, there's no reason to like tear Baker Mayfield down because he played well at times. He didn't play well at times in Cleveland. Everybody listening to this podcast, anybody who has watched the Browns for the last four years knows that. And I do think I can remember there are times maybe even in the red zone where like Baker would sort of wind up. The first read wasn't there. The second read wasn't there. Now he's sort of leaking out of the pocket to the side. He makes a throw on the run. He did that at times, but there were also a lot of times where if the Browns had a play where they needed something, Scott, it's like, here we go. They need something here. It's third and six. And you could say, okay, the first read was he tried to get it to Odell on a slant and it was covered. Now he looked back to Hooper and that wasn't there. And now he's out of the pocket. And I'd be like, well, that's it. Oh, well, that's not going to work. Where yeah. there are some quarterbacks where 
when that happens, first read's not there, second read's not there, here we go. And now it's like, now you feel bad for the defense because that guy's getting out of the pocket. He has enough playmakers. And now you think something's going to happen. I'm imagining watching Brown's games, you everyone's going to feel a little different in those moments where here we go, the quarterback now has to make something happen. How, how different is that Deshaun Watson reality versus what Baker Mayfield did? Yeah, it's that sense of danger. You know, I, I, how much have Brown's quarterbacks scared the other team when they get out of the pocket with their, not just their ability to run, but just their ability to create, you know, Brown's fans have seen a lot of that uh, in Ben Roethlisberger over his career. Many times where he would just buy time and buy time. And it's not necessarily him scrambling. It's him. Sometimes it's him just staying in the pocket with people, you know, hanging on his legs. Um, But you knew like Antonio Brown was going to get open. Um, And it's the same thing with Mahomes. It's like, you string out the play, string out the play. You can only cover Tyree Kill for so long. I would think that those kind of situations are going to be there for the Browns. Um, you have a really good route runner and Amari Cooper added to this now. Um, I'm assuming they're going to add more bodies to the wide receiver room. But you have a quarterback who can prolong things and make it harder for the defense to cover longer. Yeah, that's that's certainly an advantage. Lance, I know, right? You guys, your football coaches, you're scheming it up all week. Oh, I got the perfect play on third and five. And this is going to be, and then you get out there and it's like, well, that didn't actually work. And now the player's got to make a play. How much do you think we've gotten to the point in the NFL where the quarterback's ability to make play out of structure is maybe the difference between winning and losing is the difference between being good and being great for, for an offense? Well, I think it's I think it's his number one quality, his ability to improvise. Um, I think in the NFL, everybody's so good. Uh, everybody's so talented. Uh, everybody has film. Everybody's watching film. Everybody knows what everybody can do. So route combinations, um, third medium, all those things, those are those are things that you see when you see that big call sheet that uh, Stefanski and these coordinators have. That's what's on there. Third medium, second short, first and short after, you know, you uh, red zone, all those situations that they watch throughout the week. Um, so other teams know what you're going to do as well. And, you know, for example, when I look at the Browns running uh, the layered concept where they have a guy over the top guy and the, you know, settling in that, uh, you know, the hash area. And then the guy in the bottom, it's a layers route that, you know, everybody runs from high school to pro. Um, they're going to cover that at times there's going to, they're going to cover, they're going to be a man and, and the quarterback has to make a play. And I think a lot of, I, you know, I think it's what separates a lot of teams when you watch, when you watch the, you know, watching the playoffs last year, it was like first time for me watching the playoffs. And it was just those quarterbacks were so good. Uh, and it was not only, you know, people talk to Baker and I, I agree. I, I, I'm a, I was a Baker fan for a long time and I, you know, I wish him well, but that quarterback play that was in the playoffs, that was different than not just us, but that's different than most of the NFL. And yeah. I think uh, athletically and talent wise, uh, football wise, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson gives you that guy now. And, that's the one thing I know is, but yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the success you have on offense um, this day and age comes off, you know, off platform, improvising, making plays. And that struck that on the big plays because there still comes a time throughout the game, throughout the season, you have to be on, you have to be on time. You have to be on schedule. Um, you have to do the right things, but in terms of the big plays and the big moments, yeah, a lot of those are improvised. All right. We will take a quick break here on got to watch the tape come back, talk a little more about deep passing. How much is Deshaun Watson going to chuck it down the field for the Browns next after this? Doug Maurice, Lance Reisland, 
Scott Pascoe talking about Deshaun Watson as the new Browns quarterback, breaking it down with film and numbers, which is what we love to do here on Gotta Watch the Tape. Scott, the deep passing game. Baker, at his best, did this, right? When you go through the numbers, we did a lot of conversations on this podcast, and you wrote a lot about this, Scott. You know, Baker would be up there. What's Deshaun Watson going to be like in terms of pushing the ball down the field? Yeah, I think this is one area where you're going to see you're going to see improvement and it's going to have a lot to do with depth. Um, like Baker was good. Like you're right on deep passes. He was, he completed 50% of them in 2020, which ranked fourth probably his best season. Um, consistency was, was the issue with him. Um, last year, obviously it took a nosedive perhaps result of the shoulder and other injuries. Um, but Watson has been more consistent. Baker's percent completion percentage kind of yo-yoed a little bit from year to year. Mm. Watson, fourth, 12th, eighth, and fifth in completion percentage on passes of 20 yards or more. Uh, and he's ranked 10th and first in his last two seasons on big time throws on those deep passes. So again, um, big plays deep downfield. Um, he's done that with consistency, but maybe more revealing of that is like the separation between Watson and Baker on those throws is depth of target. Like not all deep throws are created equal. Um, and average depth of target is a good way to display that. Watson's average depth has been 30.2 yards for his career. He's been below 30 just once, and that was uh, a little over 28 in 2020. He's ranked in the top 10 twice in this category. Uh, Baker's average depth on deep passes has never been above 28.7. So even as Baker ranked in the top 10 on deep pass attempts in like 2018 to 2019, he wasn't throwing as deep. Uh, as a lot of other quarterbacks. So now you add Watson to an offense that already has, like I said, Amari Cooper, very fast receiver and Anthony Schwartz, who I think we all agree still needs some work. Um, we're expecting them to add more. The Browns could be a bit more explosive. You kind of assume in the passing game, because under Stefanski, they've been like, you know, what's the opposite of explosive, <laughs> a dud. Um, the mm. last two seasons, they've ranked 14th and 13th in explosive play rate on passes. In other words, those are pass plays that gain 20 yards or more. Um, you just weren't seeing that on a consistent basis out of the Browns. What you were seeing were explosive running plays. The Browns are ranked first in the league in explosive running plays in each of the last two seasons. So that's not – and it's something we've talked a lot about um, just as a, as a staff that covers the Browns. That doesn't look like a recipe for a sustained success in today's NFL. An offense that is great at explosive running plays – not so great at explosive pass plays. And it's definitely not a recipe for success. If you're trying to play from behind late in games, I think we saw that a lot last season. If you can't get the ball down the field in the final two minutes of a game, you're not going to score a touchdown. You're not going to get in field goal range. Um, and we saw that kind of thing happen over and over. So again, you add Watson who on average is throwing deeper downfield on those deep passes and completing a lot of them, a lot more than, than we've seen completed uh, on a consistent basis by Brown's quarterbacks you have a more explosive offense and that's something Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry talk about all the time. And again, as we try to compare anything to Baker Mayfield, we know he was dealing with the shoulder last year, but there were games last year where they didn't complete a pass of 20 yards or more. I mean, I, my head was exploding. Like, like, like the, how do you function that way that they weren't even trying? And then it, it felt like they reached a point where they lost confidence in it. And then Odell was gone and they didn't even try it sometimes. Then it was like, Oh, they threw that 
170 yard to Donovan Peoples Jones once, right? But it was not a consistent part of how they were attacking teams. And Scott, as you said, we talked a lot about sort of this backwards offense where if you needed a big play, it was like, what's your big play? It's like, I don't know, hand it to Nick Chubb, wide zone, <laughs> hope he hits a cutback lane. That's our explosive play. But it's not like they were explosive running the ball because they weren't explosive passing it. It's you can be both, Lance, right? That's the thing that I think with they're I don't they're not gonna stop being explosive with Nick Chubb running the ball, no. but they're gonna add explosive passing. And now Lance, we're off to the races, right? Correct. You know, I you know a couple things that I, I re- the numbers are fantastic, and it kind of goes back to you know his two things make uh, a deep passing game really good. And one is the run game. Um, that play action run game, getting people down in the box, first down, uh, throwing the ball deep uh, on rundowns. Um, so you're getting that run look that you want. You're getting those six, seven, eight guys in the box that you want to stop what the Browns do well. Uh, so that's going to create um, deep passing plays more than it should. So the Browns being number one in rush of, rushing explosive plays should play in to, I mean, that's hand in hand with being good at deep balls, to be honest with you. I don't, I, I, that, that disconnect is, is a little concerning to me because that goes by hand in hand because the more you run the ball and the more you have those big plays, people have got to stop the run. Uh, secondly, it goes back to, you know, his ability to recognize. You're throwing the ball deep. You've got you to gotta, uh, be able to recognize what the defense is doing to you. Um, and then you got to have the arm talent, the arm strength, and the accuracy uh, to throw the ball well. He so many times in 220 hits Will Fuller on these deep balls that are so perfectly thrown. Um, and those are hard throws. Um, but that's the ability to recognize what coverage you're getting um, and then having the arm talent to match, you know, with the digestion of what you're getting defensively and then the accuracy. So you have the, you know, you have those three uh, combined and make it make them really, really tough. And I, like you said, the it should only improve. The more you yeah. run the ball, the more your explosive plays in the pass game should improve. They should go hand in hand. And, and I, I think they will. I think that'll moving forward. That should be uh, that should be very good for the Browns. Hey, by the way, Will Fuller still a free agent? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I I liked it when I saw that. Uh, some one of you one of you guys uh, tweeted that out the other day. I was like, man, I will tell you what, you watch the 220 film. He is uh, he is an explosive guy. He really is. Mm-hmm. Scott Baker. At times, there were times when that worked for the Browns. That was part of what they did. They used the run game, play action to open up deep shot, deep shots, but they did not do it consistently through the entire Baker Mayfield tenure throughout the entire two years of Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski together. And of course the injury probably had something to do with that. And the fact that it took Baker kind of the first half of the year with Kevin Stefanski to get it together, maybe they would have gotten better at it. You know, year five of Baker Mayfield healthy with Kevin Stefanski. Maybe they would have been good at that. But what you're saying is, Deshaun Watson has done this well. We're living in what is, not what could have been. Deshaun Watson is here now, and he's been consistently good at this. And as Lance is describing, the thing should be set up. Now, I guess they do. the Browns didn't make sure they have a deep threat. That maybe we think it's Anthony Schwartz, maybe we think it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, but it might be this Will Fuller, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, somebody who's out there who's not on the roster right now, if they want to take advantage of this, they got to make sure they have a guy who can run the routes, beat the one-on-one coverage, get deep and catch the passes. But all this should be 
a consistent part of the offense, Scott, for an offense that has done it well at times and has not done it well at times in the past. Yeah, it's like with so many things involving adding Deshaun Watson to this team, it's going from hope to expectation, you know, based on past performance. Uh, and this is one of those things. And look, the Browns, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is, has had some huge plays in these situations. You know, the Tennessee game two years ago, uh, his, I think it was 75-yarder. That was a play-action play. He got down the, the sideline. Uh, I can't remember if the touchdown throw against the Bengals was play-action or not, but it was clearly a, a deeper throw. He's, he's the guy who's, who's shown up in those situations, partly out of, out of necessity, probably, because, you know, uh, they just, they've had so much uh, trouble keeping guys healthy in the receiver room over the last couple of years. So he's a guy who has done that, but again, it's just, you know, you're talking about a six round pick who got on the field, got significant snaps late in the year as a rookie and never really, never really became a like sustained part of the offense last season. Again, with all the shuffling and uh, he was on off the field as well. So yeah, you just want more consistency there. And Watson's a huge part of that, but then so is Cooper. It's they've added talent in both of these areas and guys who prove that they can do it on a consistent basis. So it's, I don't know how you can help not get better. All right, Scott, fourth quarter is something that you wanted to talk about with Deshaun Watson. And again, we know when the Browns made the playoffs two years ago, we know what that looked like. That was get a lead, put teams away with the run game in the fourth quarter. And then we saw when they didn't have leads and now they were trying to chase that did not work out as well for them. What is Deshaun Watson like in the fourth quarter and how much do you think it will change the reality for the Browns when they now enter a fourth quarter tied or down, they're down seven inning in the fourth quarter, how different will their world be? Well, ideally they won't be tied or down in the fourth quarter, right? Best case scenario, they're winning by 30. Patsco <laughs> predicts the Browns will not trail after halftime in any game. In that's right. If you want to say this trade's really working out, that's, that's <laughs> the result, right? Uh, but no, I saw a tweet this week. Um, I think it was CBS sports uh, that said Baker led all quarterbacks in fourth quarter interceptions over the last four years. I didn't verify that, but it's certainly believable, especially after last season. I would suspect that last season probably put him in the lead if he wasn't already there. I mean, we watched over and over how the Browns and Baker struggled in close games. So what does Watson do? In 2020, he ranked fourth in completion percentage, third in catchable rate, the amount of passes that are actually catchable, tied for the league lead with 13 touchdowns, only two picks, in fourth quarters and overtime. So top five across the board. Baker, 27th in completion percentage, 17th in catchable rate, six TDs, two picks. Uh, Measured in another way, EPA per play in fourth quarters and overtime, 2020. Watson 11th, Baker 27th. And then there's also completion percentage over expected, which is basically how often a quarterback is making plays that most quarterbacks don't make. Watson ranked fifth, Baker 27th. Now remember, this is all 2020, which was not just arguably Watson's best year, but arguably Baker's best year too. Um, So even in the fourth quarter that year, he certainly wasn't at uh, an elite level. Really, his year, when we talk about Baker having a great year in 2020, we're talking about week eight through, you know, the end of the season. So yeah. even that year wasn't a totally consistent uh, performance. Over the last four seasons, Watson has played, and that's 2017 through 2020. He ranks fifth in EPA per play in the fourth quarter and overtime. So that's behind Breeze, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen. 
it's right ahead of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So again, he's, that's a group you want your quarterback to be in. And then in that completion percentage over expectation, he ranks third in his career. He's only behind Breeze and Russell Wilson. Uh, Baker for his career, 21st in EPA per play and in completion percentage over expectation. So you have a quarterback who, in, in Deshaun Watson, who does things that most quarterbacks don't do on a consistent basis. He's excelled late in games throughout his career. And that's important for a Stefanski offense. They were five and six in one score games last season. And generally, like since he showed up, they just had a knack for playing close games. I believe it was also 10 in 2020, but they came out ahead. They were like seven and three in those games. So even if they rush out to a big lead, and we've seen this multiple times, there's a really good chance that the Browns are going to have a tense fourth quarter, right? That's what we've seen over and over the last couple of years. So maybe Watson changes that, or at least gives the Browns a better shot to win those games. And like out of all the things we've talked about playing big in the fourth quarter and winning close games, that's what Browns fans are going to notice and obviously enjoy the most. Lance, when we think about quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, how much of that is intangible and how much of that is tangible that it's, Hey, well, the guy's good under pressure. He makes smart decisions. He can, or how much is it like, Hey, clutch gene. How do you evaluate something like that? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have to, there is going to come a point where a guy got to make a play and that's, you hear it all the time. There's, there comes a point where a guy's got to make a play uh, for his team, whether it be with his feet, with his arm, extending a play, improvising, uh, I think, you know, again, watching him on film, the thing that I really like is his ability to, he has composure. So in the, in the fourth quarter, when things are pressure, he, he does, it, it doesn't look any different than it does in the first quarter with him in terms of his presence and how he carries himself. Uh, in those 10 situations, that's really big. That's big for the offense to see. That's big for the coordinator to see. So his composure seems very, very high. It seems like he's always in control of what he's doing. Uh, and then you talk about tangible and intangible. He still has to recognize what defense he gets. Does he get man? Does he get zone? Is he getting pressure? Will he have to use his feet? A lot of time with pressure uh, is um, knowing where the pressure is coming from. So NFL does a great job of trying to disguise their blitzes. But if you know where the pressure is coming from, you can escape to the opposite side or step up. Um, so, again, it, it kind of it's both. So he, you know, tangible, he has to know where the blitz is coming from. He has to know the coverage. He has to know where people are running, and then it's intangible. After you make that, can you make a play with your feet? Can you make a play with your arm? Can you make a play uh, when the pressure's on? So that's what you constantly see with him is, is kind of both, his ability to recognize and digest what he's getting and then make a play. And he makes those plays over and over and over. As Scott said with his numbers, he makes those plays seemingly, seemingly all the time. So um, I think the fourth quarter stuff you'll see, first and foremost what you'll see is you'll see he's just very composed. He uh, – he understands what defenses are trying to do, and uh, he attacks uh, attacks accordingly. I do think, as we saw Baker's maybe lack of success in those situations, especially last year, Scott, when you're running through some of these names, Deshaun Watson's in the top five, here's who else is in there. Drew Brees' name pops up on a, several of these lists. And I think we all thought, what does the best of Baker – Baker Mayfield look like it looks something like Drew Brees. And I think a lot of that fourth quarter stuff for Drew Brees is not necessarily making tremendously athletic plays out of the pocket, but it's a lot of precision, right? It's a lot of recognize exactly what you get. And bing, bang, boom. Here's the throw. Not that he can't do the other stuff. 
I did think, Lance, what you were talking about with like in that fourth quarter where you've just got to still, you have that poise in the moment and recognize what's happening. Scott, there were times where it just felt like, again, the end of Baker here, the injury probably started it all, but the moments where it felt like he, you felt like he didn't know what he was seeing. And here there's a fourth quarter throw where, wow, well that, he had that guy underneath here, but he tried to squeeze it into triple coverage. They're like, why, why did he make that throw? That happened enough to make you wonder, like, wh- what's his processing doing right here? And if that's where Deshaun Watson and Lance, as you've broken this down, if that's where, hey, man, he's, he knows what the defense is doing, that would make sense to me that then you have success in the fourth quarter because you're poised, you see it, and then you can do it. And it just felt like that got away from Baker a little bit, Scott, in the last year here. Yeah, I think, and we've talked about this, like we don't know how much of the injury impacted the mental side. You know, even when you're tired, you make decisions that you don't normally make. When you're injured, that becomes even more the case. It can become more the case. So, yeah, you're right. There were plenty of of situations, even even outside of the the Odell dad video. Um, There were plenty of situations we all saw where, it seemed like there was another play to make that he didn't. There was a famous one. I think it was Deshaun, it was Dernis Johnson in the flat. Stefanski, Nick Chubb, everybody pointing at Dernis Johnson in the flat. And, and Baker, I think, either ran yeah. or, uh, you know, it's it just, yeah, that stuff happened a lot. And, and as far as, like, specifically fourth quarter and trying to lead a team back and make decisions to win a game, um, this goes back to deep passing. They just, it just wasn't there. You can't drive down the field in under two minutes without making plays that gain chunk yards, um, especially if you have no timeouts or just one timeout. Um, it's just it's not going to happen. And the Browns just did not seem able to do those kinds of things. And they were in those situations you know, quite a bit. Yeah, you wind up looking at a lot of stats, fourth quarter comebacks and that kind of thing. And Baker had some here. He certainly did. It's not like he never did it but they're just reached a point where it just felt more difficult and maybe he'll be great at it in the future, but Deshaun Watson has done it. He's the Browns quarterback. Now I think with the Browns are down, even though Scott, maybe like in 2026 will be the first time where they're trailing, entering a fourth quarter. Maybe it'll happen to Deshaun Watson's five-year career. Maybe it never will. If it does, it feels like it's not over because he can throw deep because he can make plays with his feet. A lot of the stuff, Lance, I think, the tangible creates the intangible that Correct. you, you are mobile. You do have good decision-making. You have arm talent to push it down the field. And then when you get in the moment, now it's a little pixie dust and you sprinkle that in, but there are like six tangible things that you do every day in practice, every day in film study with your athleticism that now allows the pixie dust to get you over the top. And I think when you start breaking down the tangibles of Deshaun Watson, you understand there's a whole lot there. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, when you, when you marry those two, that's when you get the, when you get the, uh, the guys that Scott's talking about, those guys at the top, they're able to take what they take, what they see, process it, and then have the ability to make those throws and those um, adjustments and you know that that what you're saying to me that's the it factor that's the ability to take everything you have you see it you recognize it the coverage you know where the, you know where you're going with the ball but then you got to make the throw and you got to make the play and that's what the big time quarterbacks the 
the guys that get paid the, the, the amount of money they get paid. That's why it's that fourth quarter. It's making those plays when they're supposed to. And, and once again, it could be on schedule, off schedule, uh, a tangible. And it's just the ability to make the play when it's there. And uh, that's going to show the ability to do that uh, as of now. All right. Last quick break. We'll come wrap this up with talking about Deshaun Watson on Gotta Watch the Tape. Doug Scott, Lance back. You can read about all this. Lance does great film breakdowns. Scott's been writing a lot of stories, crunching the numbers on the evolution of this Browns offense. You can go to cleveland.com slash Browns. And then if you want even that little bit extra, be a Browns insider, you get texts in your phone. You get an extra story every day. You get access to everything at cleveland.com. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash Browns. Sign up to be a Browns insider. Lance, you broke Deshaun down from this film standpoint. Is, is there anything we, we haven't talked about that, that you really noticed in watching these games? And then again, like I, I, before we go, I'm curious, just where does he need to get better? Where's a little bit of a thing of like, okay, well, you know, that uh, that's, could be something that isn't always great. What, what else haven't we talked about with Sean Watson here? Well, I think we're going to have to, I mean, as talented as he is there, we're going to have to temper our emotions a little bit because he is going to be, he hasn't played in a while and there is going to be rust. So I look for the Browns to play him. You know, usually I wouldn't be surprised if they play him more. Uh, usually where we see the backups, usually where we see people, you know, the starters per se, not playing, I could see him playing a little bit more, maybe getting some more reps in practice. Um, that's that's the one thing is that he is in a brand new offense. Uh, second thing, he's in a brand new offense, so that's going to take some time. He's got to learn all new verbiage. He's got to learn all new footwork. Not to say some of the footwork isn't going to be carried over, um, but he's going to have a different coach giving him a different voice. So I think those would be the two. You know, I think he's, as you guys both stated earlier, he's got to temper that um, the fine line between extending plays and improvising and taking those sacks because uh, sacks in the NFL are huge. Uh, in terms of if you're if you're not on schedule, if you're first and 10 plus, it's very, very, uh, very, very tough to get first downs in the NFL, the way defenses play and keep things in front of them. And then, you know, I think one thing watching on film, I'm trying to be uh, I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but I think he's got to work on his ball handling in terms of trying to marry the run with the pass. Uh, if you look at like Aaron Rodgers, if you look at like I'm a little bit older, but like Boomer Siason back in the day, these guys were able to marry that run with the pass. Um, that gives you a lot more time. Some great. Uh, uh, you know, ball handling is great pass protecting. And um, a lot of people don't really understand that. But if it looks like a run, uh, those defenders will stop the run a little bit more. And uh, that gives you that gives your offensive lineman a little bit more time to pass protect. It gives them uh, the ability to do their job a little bit better. So uh, once again, I just think he's got to he's got to get to knock the rust off. He's got to he's in a brand new offense. Um, he's going to have to deal with uh, whether he likes it or not. He's going to have to deal with a constant you know, barrage of questions that are going to be non-football related. Um, and then, you know, just the idea that I think he's got to, you know, football wise, he's got to maybe avoid keeping all the plays alive. And I think when you play for, when you were playing for the Texans and they weren't very good, uh, you did that because you felt you needed to score. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with the Browns and what they're doing defensively. I don't think we have to score every time, but we got to flip the field. we got to play good uh, field position. We've got to put our defense in better positions in terms of, you know, going the full distance uh, for the offense. So I think he's got to you know, just to learn to play, uh, maybe play on a really good football team. I think the Browns can be really good. And I think that'll be, that'll be a learning curve too, in terms of it's not going to be all him. He's got a lot of people around him that can make plays. And by the way, Boomer Esiason, one of the best play action ball fakes ever. 
Oh, the best. Google it on YouTube, kids. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It's uh, um, I did when I was coach. I, I, he, it's he's he's fantastic. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers is is in that boat now too. He's getting real good at it. And also, um, as far as Deshaun Watson and kind of like learning a new offense goes, this offense is. I'm more confident now that we're going to see definite changes in how this offense runs and works. And I think a key to that is signing Jacoby Brissett as the backup. Um, somebody who's maybe more in line with Sean Watson's play and abilities in case Keenum was, you know, in case Keenum, obviously you had a guy who had been here a while who knew the offense and could provide stability from that standpoint, but switching him out for Brissett, I think suggests to me that we're going to see, we're going to see things we haven't seen before more so than any, any differences we saw, you know, in the first two years between the first two years of Stefanski's offense. And I will say at some point before September, we probably need to do a Jacoby Brissett breakdown here. on got to watch yeah. the tape. And I'm sure you'll dig into that on the film Lance, because that guy is going to start some games for the Browns in 2022. It's it, his Jacoby Brissett, whether it's two or four or six or eight or 17, how Jacoby Brissett plays quarterback is going to have an effect on the Cleveland Browns season this year. So we need to break that guy down. I, I thought that was a great signing. That was like Andrew Barry being ready for everything and having plans lined up and to bring him in as a guy who's been a starter uh, is a veteran guy. It seems like a good teammate, smart guy. Like I think Joe Bacobi, but you know, he's going to need to make some plays for this team to stay above water while they're waiting for Deshaun Watson. If he is suspended, as we all suspect he will be for at least some length of time. All right. That helped me. I'm, I'm the audience, right? It's always one of those things you watch a movie and the director's doing some stuff and it's like they show people in the crowds like, oh, that those people are standing in for the audience. I stand in for the audience because I'm like, I, I don't know. You two guys talk. So that helped me learn about Deshaun Watson. Lance, uh, thanks so much for breaking that down from a film perspective. Scott, as usual, the numbers always fantastic. We're going to start dropping. Got to watch the tapes, you know, into the cycle here. We usually go on Thursdays when there's something to break down. We'll bring it to you. There's still, you know, there's we probably could do some. They're going to add more people, right? Sean Watson is the, the headliner here. But this team is going to continue to change through this offseason. So we'll do a little bit more of that. And we always appreciate you guys tuning in. For now, for Lance Reisland and Scott Patsko, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for diving in on Gotta Watch the Tape.